Well, good afternoon. It's good to see you all here today. If you're visiting with us, I'm especially grateful that you're here today. Um, my name is Jason. I have the honor of serving as lead pastor here at this church. And, and, and I would say more importantly, I'm a member of this church family. And you've stepped into a great, a great church family, a place where people um, are not perfect, but a, a place where people are passionate about following after a perfect God and allowing him to work in our lives. And so if you're visiting with us, honored that you're here. Love to meet you in person after the service if you have time. Uh, this is a special uh, service for us today. We are at the end of the Desires of the Heart sermon series. This was a sermon series in which we walk through the scriptures looking at the idols of our hearts, these things that have so easily entangled us and and captured our affections. And and we agree together that anything in our lives, even the good things in our life, if they take the place of Jesus, they become idols. And so this has been a challenging sermon series uh, for us to walk through. And we're here today to share a little bit about how God has worked in our hearts through um, this sermon series. And so um, you're going to get a chance to hear a couple of, of our folks share this morning. Um, but before we do that, um, we have a family in uh, the Philippines, uh, in Butuan, uh, in the Philippines, a family that's serving on mission, Jeff and Holly Rathbun and their beautiful little girls. And they've been listening online as we've gone through this sermon series. And Holly emailed me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I heard that you're asking for testimonies about how God is challenging um, our people through the sermon series. And I just want you to know, here's how he's been challenging me. And I want to share it with the church family. So we're going to get to hear from Holly first. If you guys are ready, let's play Holly Rathbun's video and then we'll go from there. My name is Holly Rathbun, and my husband's name is Jeff Rathbun. Um, We became members of Solid Rock Church, I think, in like 2013. Um, But last year, we were sent out by Solid Rock to live um, here in the Philippines. Um, And so if you haven't seen me at church in the last 11 months, that is why. In October, I started listening to the Desires of the Heart sermon series online, and I just wanted to uh, take some time to be real and transparent with our church family um, about how this sermon series uh, in particular has been challenging for me. You know, it's really important to do together as a church and I'm really, really glad that Jason went through the series. You know, even not being there with my church family, being able to, um, you know, be a part of that and, you know, know that Um, brothers and sisters in Christ are going through uh, the same thing and evaluating the same thing in their hearts as I'm evaluating these things in my heart um, was definitely encouraging knowing that you know I wasn't like struggling through that alone. I think that the two uh, the two idols that I struggled the most with um, or the the two um, that the two sermons that were the most like confrontational like for me within my heart um, was the one about um, like performance expectations and then um, the one about comfort um, um, for me um, because you know uh, performance and um, you know meeting a certain standard is always something that I have kind of put on myself anyways. Um, it's still something that, you know, that I've definitely, um, I've definitely had to, to struggle through. And, you know, there's definitely been the opportunity for those thoughts and that, that specific idol to take root, you know, in my heart and, 
um, you know, just kind of, um, even not with just ministry, just with like um, my girls and homeschooling and um, just trying to live here in the Philippines successfully. Um, you know, am I doing enough? Am I doing it the right way? Am I, um, am I succeeding in what I'm doing? Am I being effective? Jason, you know, he used the example, the biblical example of Martha and Mary. And, you know, Martha and her to-do list, none of it matters if her heart is not completely captured by Christ. None of it matters. And, and none of it is going to really glorify God at all if it is not because her heart is completely captured by Christ and her focus and her attention is, is firmly place, placed on, on Jesus. None of it matters. And, um, and it's, it's something that we came here knowing um, you know, we came here knowing in our heads, of course, um, but I think that it's one of those lessons that, um, you know, maybe it's everybody, maybe it's just me, that um, we're continually having to learn and relearn and learn and relearn and learn and relearn in our hearts. Um, continually having to have that reminder of, you know, it, no, just delight in his word, just delight in his plan, just delight in who God is and what he's saying and where he's leading us. The other idol that I have, you know, really struggled to um, kind of work through um, is the, the idol of comfort. And um, it is something that has Kind of reared its ugly head a lot more here recently, um, especially like the last two months. Um, you know, I've been really, really sick, and um, so for the last couple months, you know, I haven't really left the house at all. Um, I haven't really even left the bedroom that much, um, and um, you know, so those. The you know feelings of isolation and just being lonely and um, you know feelings of being useless um, have started to kind of come out and um, just kind of thinking these thoughts about like um, you know why why are we here and thinking about how I just really want to go home you know when I was listening to the sermon and able to kind of um, you know stop thinking about myself and how frustrated and uncomfortable I've been and put my focus back on Jesus back on you know the one that my focus is supposed to be on to begin with that is when I start to feel comfort in my soul. That's when I can hear Jesus when he's saying, you know, come to me, those of you who are weary, and come to me, those of you who are heavy laden, and this is where you're going to find rest for your soul. 
hard stuff and the uncomfortable stuff, the trials, this is where we're refined. This is the refiner's fire. And, you know, when we are able to stop, you know, when I'm able to stop thinking about myself and how uncomfortable I am and what I'm going through, and I'm able to, you know, put my eyes back on Christ, you know, that's when I'm able to walk away from these things as uncomfortable as they are and be thankful for them and be thankful for this time, be thankful that God is still refining me and, you know, that, you know, God is still and always faithful to his promise to give us that rest in our souls, give us comfort in our souls and, you know, that no matter where in the world we're at, you know, God is still um, and always with us. We're never truly isolated because he's always with us. He's always, um, you know, he's always leading us back to himself and beckoning us just to lean in and just to delight in him and um, be satisfied in him and who he is. All right. Well, appreciate Holly sharing her heart and being transparent. Uh, I think there's a uh, misunderstanding about missionaries that somehow they, they win the, the Jesus lottery and they're super spiritual people and they wake up every morning and have their quiet time, memorize some scriptures, share the gospel no less than 10 times, and then sleep on the concrete floor and love it. But they're real people who've simply been called by God and said yes. And uh, and so I'm so thankful for Holly being transparent about their journey and thankful for the way God's using her and her husband, Jeff, and their girls there in the Philippines. Many of you keep in contact with them and support them. And so what a blessing it is to have her share. Now I'm honored to introduce to you two people who are here live and in person. Uh, come on over. This is Elizabeth Casey and Kate Hill. Would you join me in welcoming them to the stage? I'll hand this to Kate. This is Kate and Elizabeth, and they have so courageously volunteered uh, to be transparent with you about how God has worked in their life uh, through the sermon series uh, as we looked at the idols of our heart. And so I've asked them each, first of all, just to sum up what the sermon series meant to them with one word. How would you describe the sermon series? For me, it's been freeing. Freeing. Awesome. And I would say cleansing. And cleansing, yeah. You can hang on to it. Okay. Well, let's, uh, before we get super personal, let's just talk about this journey as a church. You know, we, we went into this sermon series not only expecting God to work like personally in our lives, but asking God to work collectively in our church. We're um, on the cusp of some great things. We're, um, we're looking at expanding this next year to create more space for more people to come be a part of what God is doing here. Um, but before we take a step into that journey, we talked about the need to have our own hearts refined, our own motives um, refined. And so um, why is it important from your perspective, for a church to go through a sermon series like this? Um, well, from my perspective, I think it really kind of cuts through the surface that we all, to some extent or another, try to maintain. Um, and that encourages honesty within ourselves and in front of God. Um, and then I think it strengthens community, or it can strengthen community if we take that honesty and take it to fellow believers and actually share about where we fail in our faith and, um, you know, let the facade of being a perfect Christian uh, fall and actually 
being honest about where we are at. Okay. Well, we're all in need of some heart examination, but um, I feel like for me it was that I wasn't alone going through the process of seeing what, what was in my heart. We're all examining and seeing what um, God has for us. Um, and then also being able to share that, like I know we've shared in community group, in ladies' Bible study, text messages, just praying, just being real with each other in everyday life. Um, it's been, it's been really great to do that together and um, to know that we're in a journey together and we're not alone in this. Um, and it's, I feel like it's brought my community closer. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's take it a step further and maybe make it more personal. If you want to start, Kate. Um, um, yeah, so what are some idols or an idol that God brought to the surface uh, that you want to share with us? For me, um, the idol being performance-driven was the one that God really um, pressed in on my heart. Um, just feeling like I wasn't enough, and so always trying to be someone else um, in my relationships with my husband, my kids, um, my friends, feeling like I wasn't enough to be that friend in that relationship, whatever relationship it was. So just trying to be somebody else that maybe I thought, oh, they, they have this together. They can handle this. And so not um, relying on Christ, really, um, trying to look to others um, that I thought had it together. Um, so those are the things that I find myself doing. Okay. All right. Elizabeth? Um, yeah, I think all of them to an extent <laughs> applied to me. <laughs> um, I'm one of the thankful ones that this series is over. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> that is a joke. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I think the one that came out and hit closest to home for me was the idol of control. Um, and I'll give you a little, I guess, backstory on why that specific one took root in my heart. Um, I recently went through a divorce. Uh, it was finalized in February. And, um, and domestic abuse marked my marriage. And so... Uh, you know, of course, reconciliation was the goal um, through counseling and through a temporary separation and coming back together. Uh, but it got to the point where I just, I needed to protect myself, unfortunately, um, physically and um, financially, mentally, just kind of every way. Uh, and in the end, legally from, from my husband. And during that time, um, I kind of developed a, a laser focus on removing myself from danger. Uh, making sure everything in my life was safeguarded. Um, and even though it's been nine months uh, since everything was finalized, uh, I think that laser focus has been harder to shake off uh, than I anticipated. So um, it kind of manifests in different ways. Like I bought a whole bunch of security equipment when I moved to a new apartment. Um, and I became hypervigilant on budgeting and savings to make sure that I was secure. Uh, and it became really hard for me to open up emotionally with <laughs> other people. So this is uh, God's work and <laughs> not mine because this freaks me out. So um, yeah, so um, I guess during that time, like, of course there were things that needed to be done and decisions that had to be made that only I could make at that time. Um, but I think what I didn't see is that I stopped trusting in God's ability to take care of me and kind of took that onto my shoulders and felt like it was completely up to me to be safe, to get okay, to get to a stable place. Um, and while there's, you know, 
good things that we can do to protect ourselves. We can set boundaries in our relationships and we can um, you know, put locks on our doors and privacy settings on social media, like things like that that we can do. Um, I think the darker side for me that I went into was just a complete state of unrest, um, kind of a constant hustle to just make sure that everything, like all the windows were boarded in my life um, and that I was secure. So, um, yeah, I, I felt pretty justified in that for a while, uh, just because of circumstances that I've gone through. Um, but this sermon series really pulled back the layer of that um, and exposed to my own heart that it was an idol of control, um, that I wasn't trusting in God as provider and protector, um, but I was trusting in myself. So, yeah, um, I, you talked about repentance, and so I think I've definitely started to, uh, not mastered, but started to kind of let go and turn from my hypervigilance and my um, just desperateness for security and turn to God and Christ and all of his promises and his word that he is good and that he is trustworthy and that he is um, protector. Amen. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing about your idol and the struggle um, afterwards. Um, Kate, did you want to add anything about what do you do once, okay, here's the idol, what do I do with it? How about you just share a little bit about the struggle? Um, well, this is, these idols are the things that God's revealed to me as um, things I feel like I've dealt with for a long time, struggled with, um, feelings of inadequacy. Um, they've given me feelings of jealousy, shame, guilt, and um, just like feeling like I failed. And so um, I've realized that God hasn't failed me. He's, um, he's been there all along for me. And so because he hasn't failed me, if I'm in him, then I haven't failed either. And um, I can rest in that. And that has truly been amazing. Um, I've been able to step out in faith and accept the truth that he's shown me. And um, it's been really freeing, and um, it's given me rest and peace. Amen. Amen. Elizabeth, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Talk uh, about the wrestling. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I just had to remind myself that Jesus is a better strong tower than I can build for myself. He is Amen. the protector. Um, and uh, I guess getting out of an abusive situation took so much effort that I can be deceived into thinking I got to a stable place by myself on my own. Um, and so just being consciously reminded uh, that it was the Lord and that it was fellow believers that were the ones who carried me through that circumstance. And um, so I'm not alone. It's not up to me. It takes the pressure off of me and puts the focus back on Christ and his church. Um, so I, I guess I'll end with a quote that was written during one of the sermons. Um, it says, God's not bound by my own ability to get it right in order for him to provide and protect me. So... Um, yeah, I think that goes along with what you were saying. It's not about our performance or getting it right. It's about him. Amen. Amen. Would you join me in thanking them for coming up this morning and sharing? Thank you all both. Thank you. I want to wrap up our, our sermon series before we, we go to baptism with just a couple of thoughts. Um, first of all, I just wanted to... Um, to read a, a passage from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. This is talking about Jesus and the work he does in our lives. The Apostle Paul writes it this way. He, 
being Jesus, has transferred us from the kingdom of his beloved, excuse me, has transferred us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And here at Solid Rock, we believe that God meets us in our mess. He meets us in our chaos. He meets us in our brokenness and he doesn't leave us there. He rescues us from that and he transfers us from darkness to life. We call these redemption stories. And really what we've heard this morning is just a small little snippet of a couple of redemption stories, how God has not just worked in the past, but how he continues to work in our lives. And that the gospel is not a one-time event in our lives, but it's, it's an everyday event in our lives that we remind ourselves that we are, we are loved and we are accepted based on the performance of Jesus on our behalf. And it's through faith in him and that faith alone that we have redemption and forgiveness and salvation. And I would leave you with one short illustration. Um, about seven years ago, I was uh, working in my office down the hallway and I was in a counseling meeting and my son Hudson at the time was about three years old and he was um, in the office next, uh, next to me with the door shut playing with his toys. And as I'm counseling with this individual, I hear the sound of his toy car rolling underneath the door. And as I turn to the corner of my eye, I see it's the car and I go back to talking uh, with this particular individual. And just a few moments later though, he begins to cry out for help. Daddy, daddy, help, help. And he's crying and he's screaming. Well, what had happened is that after his toy car rolled underneath the door, uh, he got down on his hands and knees and he looked under the door and he saw his car. And so what did he do? He reached for it. And after he grabbed his car and tried to pull his hand back under the door, it wouldn't fit. So now he was trapped. And so he was crying out for help. And so as his father, I got down on my hands and knees and I, with patience and calmness, I spoke under the door and said, Hudson, you have to let go of the car. And he began to clutch it more tightly as he screamed out, Daddy, please, please. And I couldn't open the door. It would have taken his knuckles off. And, and I, the only thing I could do was just speak as only a loving father can do. And I said, Son, you have to trust me. Let go of the car. And after a moment, I talked him into it. He let go of the car. And I was able to open the door, embrace my son. And I gave him the car back too. And I think that's a fitting description of what we're talking about. If I was to sum up the desires of the heart series with one word, it would be the word surrender. Because the idols in our life oftentimes are really good things that God has blessed us with to remind us of his goodness. But when we clutch these things too tightly, they become the things that ensnare us and trap us. And God is here today as your loving father whispering to you, my child, let go. Hear my voice, trust me, let go. What I have for you is better than what you're clutching in your hands. And what we mean by redemption stories is this, is that God can write a better story with our lives than we can write for ourselves. And surrender happens when we, when we surrender the authorship to God and we say, God, I don't care where you take me. I don't care where we go. You write the story. And so that's what we're celebrating today through these testimonies and now through baptisms. Just a quick word on baptisms as the room fills up with lots of people. Um, if you are new to church and you don't know what baptism is, let me just give you a brief explanation of what we're about to do. Baptism is a symbolism, okay? This baptistry has water in it, but I can assure you there's nothing holy about this water. However, what it symbolizes is incredibly holy. What we're symbolizing today is that God has done an inward work in our lives and we want the rest of the world to know. 
And so those who are coming up for baptism this morning are here to symbolize that to you, to say that Jesus has forgiven me of all of my sins and I've been cleansed of all unrighteousness. They're also here today to proclaim to you that they've trusted in Jesus and him alone and their lives are now hidden with Christ and raised to walk in newness. And so if you're here today, I want you to know what we're about to do. And I'm gonna turn it over to one of our pastors, Nick Hill, to lead us in baptism.